This is episode number 32 of the Grow Well podcast, and I'm your host, Dusty Heggie. I think I have recorded this little 20-second intro a million times. Here's the things I want you to know. On Grow Well Podcast, we talk about houseplants and we talk about personal growth because I know that those two intersect way more than we seem to recognize because our God is an intentional God who has created nature to go back to reveal his glory and his love for us. And through that, he has so much to teach us. And it's something I get very passionate about and I love, love, love talking about. I bring on guests occasionally to unpack this in a way that I may not be able to. And so my guest today is Sarah Hauser and she is a food blogger and she's a wife and a mom and the work that she's doing is really incredible. Today our conversation gets real deep real fast and we talk about eating and drinking to the glory of God and ways that we can host well, ways that we can build community because at the center of all of those things is food and how can we use food to glorify the one who gave us that food. This conversation is one I I feel just so grateful to have had, and I hope it blesses you as well. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Sarah Hauser. Well, Sarah, maybe yeah. we can just start out by telling everybody who you are and what you do. Sure. So yeah, I'm Sarah Hauser, and I am a wife, a mom, a writer, and I do a lot of things with food, um, but I have four-year-old twins and a one-year-old, and I'm primarily a stay-home, stay-at-home mom with them, and then I also do some writing and kind of some food blogging and food photography as well, sort of in the margins and in nap time and all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is, first of all, four-year-old twins, that sounds crazy. <laughs> what would be Yeah. Starting to have, I bet everybody comments on that. When we were first starting to have kids and like thinking about it and praying through it and stuff, Brian was like, he comes home and he's like, I just want you to know, I prayed that we would have twins. And I was like, what? (laughs) I actually like something you should talk to me about. (laughs) I prayed that we would have twins too, to be honest. And between when I found out I was pregnant, you know, with Mm -hmm. like the home pregnancy test and, and then it was a few weeks before I had my first doctor's appointment. And I was like praying for twins and I found, obviously we found out it was twins and I didn't tell my husband that I had prayed for twins until about like four months in. I was like, I'm not, I mean, I didn't think, you know, my prayer life is not the strongest, but I was, you know, so I was very surprised. Uh Yeah. And then second pregnancy, we were not praying for twins. We're We're good with one. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about what you do on your website and your business and your side hustle for lack of a better term. Sure. So I started out, well, I, I've dabbled in, you know, blogging and sort of lifestyle blogging for years, but my website as is started mainly as a food blog. So that's mm-hmm. kind of one of my, you know, big passions is creating recipes, sharing recipes and sort of sharing, you know, stories and behind the scenes that goes along with that in the writing piece of it. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing that. So you'll see a lot of recipes. I mean, almost every post is a recipe, but I'm also getting more into the writing piece of it and not just writing the recipes, but trying to write more story, trying to write more about my faith um, Mm -hmm. and weave that in both to recipes. And then, you know, in a little bit, a little bit more writing, you know, posts on, faith and theology and hospitality and creativity and motherhood, other things like that. 
as well as, as the recipe pieces of it. So it's not just a straight food blog. I think I use food as sort of a medium for sharing other things. Yeah. Kind of like how I use plants. Exactly. Yeah. At a surface level, I always say like I teach people to keep their plants alive, but it's so that we can like celebrate the creator and worship God through nature. Um, And you do that through food. Like, I don't know why that feels mind-blowing to me, but duh, that makes so much sense. Like, (laughs) it's such a gift. Like, it could have been bland and boring, but, like, God really spoiled us with some things incredible to, like, eat, and that can be nourishing. So can you talk to me about theology and food and why those two things um, are so intertwined for you? Or they should I be for everybody? Yeah. So I actually, when I had been, when I had been food blogging on my current site, I was actually working for a hunger relief organization and I was talking about and sharing stories about malnourished and starving children around the world and Mm -hmm. leading volunteers to pack and supply food for children around the world who desperately needed it. Um, And then I was going home and creating these recipes and doing this food blogging thing and doing food photos on the side. And I kept coming back to the question of, is this okay? Like I literally, my day job is in the nonprofit world, teaching people about children starving around the world. Right. And here I am playing around with these ingredients and like, is this, is this okay? And I, I really started questioning it quite a lot. And it, I got, I got to the point where I, I thought, okay, I need to really dig into this a little bit more and dig into is this okay? Is food just like utilitarian? Is it okay to spend creative energy and to spend resources when, you know, all this other stuff is happening around the world? And so I ended up doing a deep dive into sort of a theology of food and that has changed so much for me. I, I don't know that there's, you know, like necessarily one easy answer, but it's opened up a world of not just um, you know, is it okay, you know, for me to keep doing this, but it's actually opened up more of a understanding of what is the purpose of food? Why did God create food? What does scripture say about food? You know, from Genesis to revelation, we see creation and it's good and we can delight in food and look at what God has created for us. And then we see, you know, so many stories about food or where mm-hmm. Jesus uses food and we have, you know, Passover and then communion and we have the marriage supper of the lamb that we look forward to. And from start to finish, the metaphor and also the physical, sometimes it's not metaphor, it's actual real food that's used in scripture. That is a consistent picture from start to finish in scripture about, you know, depicting who God is, what the kingdom of God is like, how we're to live and act and be the church in the world. You know, Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. You know, you think about those passages of who he ate with, um, what he ate when he ate, you know, at at one point the disciples were eating with unwashed hands, you know, and so Jesus is using, there's so many passages talking about how food is eaten or what food is eaten that it's not necessarily that particular food or thing that we're looking at, but what does that say about who God is and how we are to interact with him and with his people and with food itself. And I, that's been 
really mind blowing to me. And I feel like I've barely scraped the surface of understanding a little bit more deeply what that looks like to eat and drink to the glory of God. And I think that's not just a metaphor. I think we can actually literally do that. Um, eat and drink, gather at the table, serve food, use food as a means to, you know, demonstrate the creativity and the goodness of God to taste and see that God is good, um, to bring people to the table, you know, so many different ways that I think we can use food and we can see God through the way that he has given us food. Yeah, that is incredible. I, I want to go back for a second and just talk about how you had like a surplus of food. We, as like just people in West Western countries have surpluses of food. Um, wherein you were dealing with people who or like, learning about people and teaching about people who have a very, very lack of food. Um, And I don't, like, I see that played out in a lot of ways because we are so privileged and we do have a whole lot of blessings. There can be a lot of shame that creeps in um, when we try and, we want to be able to celebrate the good things that we have, but we feel guilt for celebrating because so many people around the world don't have those things. So I guess, how did you even uh, begin to maybe not get closure in that area, but how did you move forward from hearing that? Like when you say like, okay, I learned now that it's okay to do those things. What is, what was the thing that you learned that made it okay? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I, I, I don't know that there's one easy answer to that. Fair enough. That's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, that's a, I'm still digging into that question mm-hmm. and it's, and I, I want to be careful that I am not approaching this issue in my own like spiritual walk as just, okay, what do I need to know to get myself off the hook so I can go do this right. thing that I like? For sure. Yes. You know, I think if that's my mentality, that's a very dangerous methodology to go about my study of scripture yeah. because yeah. I'm searching for what is going to agree with me. So I'm, I'm trying to be very careful about that. But what I have found is when you look at scripture and you look at how, you know, Old Testament law and you look at the Passover and you look at God providing man and quail in the desert and you look at how God requires and calls us to feed the poor. There's all of this. You have to start in Genesis and start with the purpose of creation and seeing God creating this as a good thing. And then we move forward and God uses food like through Passover, for example, to teach his people about who he is. And then Jesus does the same and he eats with people and he feeds people to teach them about who he is and him being God and him being provider and him being the bread of life. And he physically does that. And then we move into now, you know, the new creation got Jesus bringing about the new kingdom. And we move into looking forward to the marriage supper of the lamb, that whole sort of meta narrative Mm-hmm. it all builds up to this idea, you know, whether it's going to be a physical feast or it's, you know, a metaphorical feast, you know, we'll see what that looks like in heaven, but it all builds up to this idea of having a feast in the kingdom of God and experiencing that the, the very presence of God around the table with his people. Mm-hmm. And you look at Isaiah 25 you know, talking about 
um, eating rich marrow and, and well-aged wine. And, um, and then it says, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. This is our God. And it's sort of that exhale of sitting at the table and saying, oh, this is our God. And I think our meals, even our celebrations, even our creative meals, even our meals that, um, you know, our everyday meals, our birthday parties, our Thanksgiving feasts, that is what those point to. And when our meals, our, our food blogging, our creativity, all of that points to the day when we sit at the table with God and we say, this is our God. We have waited for him. This is our God. And, and I think we miss that piece of it when we don't celebrate and when we don't feast and when we don't enjoy the gifts that God has given us, we, we forget the generosity of, of our God. We forget the goodness of our God. We forget to taste and see that he is good. And we can literally do that. And I think if we move to just making food practical and its only job is to keep us alive, we lose so much of understanding how food teaches us about the character of God. Yeah. And we lose, we, we then think that God is simply utilitarian and our function for eating is simply to keep us alive. Obviously that is a function of food, right? <laughs> but even in that God has designed it so that we have to, we have to eat what he provides. He is the bread of life and he is the one who provides even our, the way that we, you know, say a blessing at a meal, or we, you know, thank God for the food when we sit down, that for me can so often just be a rote prayer that we run through, because that's just what I've done growing up. And we just thank God for the food, hopefully remember to do that. But the reality is, is God has given us this day, our daily bread, and we eat out of his hand. And, and so all of that, our ordinary meals, our feasts, everything like that, points to the character of God and we miss a piece of understanding his character when we take all of those types of meals off the table. And yeah. because of that, I think for me that actually pushes me to say I need to feed the poor because I need to because God has showed me a piece of his character through this feasting through this food that then I need to share that like so feeding the poor, yes, we feed the poor so that they have the nourishment to then maybe hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. But we feed, we feed those who are hungry, one, because God has told us to, and we should just do it because God's told us to. Right. But we also feed the poor because we have tasted that God is good and we, we don't we don't do it in just a utilitarian way. I mean, yes, we need to give nutritious food that literally saves lives. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's not just, okay, let's, let's help people live so that they can hear and, and, you know, say a prayer and accept Jesus in their heart. Like it's, it's so much richer and so much deeper than that. I think because the food itself and the sharing of a meal and the providing the good gifts of God to any people, it doesn't have to, I mean, to my kids, that is helping people to taste and see that God is good. And, and we do need to audibly preach the gospel alongside of that. I'm not saying that, that we can't 
that we, you know, can leave out the, the audible part of the gospel, mm-hmm. but, but the food piece, when, when you miss, again, w- when we have tasted and seen that God is good at our own tables, how much more do we need to share that and, and make our tables bigger and to invite mm-hmm. people to the table and to, um, it's, it's not giving a handout. It's bringing up a chair and sitting next to each other and seeing I've tasted that God is good and I want you to taste it too. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is what feeding the poor is about. That is, it's not, it's not you're needy. I have something. Let me give it to you. That's a very top down mentality. It's, Hey, I'm, I'm poor and needy and I eat out of God's hand. And here he's given me something that you can you know, join me at the table with, and we can eat together. And I think that all of that together, again, points to the character of God and who he is, Mm -hmm. and that it's not about us. And the fact that I have a refrigerator full of food right now, and somebody else doesn't, I don't get why that is. That is not like an easy answer for me to say, well, I have this because I work so, like, no, like, I don't know why God does certain things and other people are starving. I don't know. And that's, I wrestle with those questions, but I do know that he's good. And I do know that one of my jobs is to, to taste and see that he is good and to invite people to the table. And that, that to me incorporates everything from feasting at Thanksgiving to, you know, working with those who are in need in my own community and around the world. Yeah. Sorry, that's my that's my long answer. That's okay. It's it was really rich and so much goodness. So I'm glad. I always welcome the long answers. God pulls out so much goodness for us to share. I think the thing that has really standed out to me is understanding to how to eat. I even wrote it down. Understanding how to eat and drink to the glory of God. I think mm-hmm. that that's so beautiful because it really pairs down the like complexities of an issue that it's really hard to think through that I have a fridge full of food and this person has nothing. Um, And being able to understand how to eat and drink to the glory of God, we can do that with a lot of food or with no food um, or very little food. And I just think it's really incredible to see you come alive and like sit a little taller and talk a little (laughs) louder about this topic because people aren't talking about it or at least not very loudly. Um, And so I fell in love with the stuff that you're doing through your dreamy Instagram photos. <laughs> Thank you. Goodness, those are adorable. Um, and then as I followed along, you, your caption has, are what brought me in and like the content that you share has what brought me in. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I will share all the links, all your stuff in the podcast. Cause I want Thank you living human. That's super <laughs> encouraging. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about hosting? I know. Cause I mean, if we're looking through scripture and we're looking through food, it's never a, you're sitting alone by yourself eating this thing. It's like you're surrounded by people in like a celebration and you're sharing bread and you're sharing wine. And can we talk about how, to make hosting a reality and why it's important and maybe some like applicable ways that we can go about it. Even if we're not a fancy chef, like how can we sure. do that? Um, I am not opposed to ordering pizza, <laughs> you know, and I feel like, okay, so let me, let me preface this saying, I do think there are different seasons in life that maybe we need to step back from 
some roles of playing host and in other points in our life, we're more able to give that to other, you know, give that to other people. For me, you know, at one point, um, I had three kids, two and a half and under, and I was not hosting like dinner parties at my house. I'm still not hosting dinner parties, you know, like it's now, you know, I have two four-year-olds and I'm almost two-year-old and, and we're not like doing fancy meal. Like I'm, I'm not cooking what I did five years ago and it's a little bit more realistic. You know, I do try to cook grown up food periodically cause I need it, but, um, cause we're grown ups guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of, you know, using food and, and exercise and creativity and experiencing, you know, it's a, it's a big way for me that I exercise some creativity and mm-hmm. can do something grown up. <laughs> yeah. For sure. That being said, I don't think we need to have it all perfect in order to invite somebody to the table. And I also would say that inviting somebody to the table sometimes means my own kids. Mm -hmm. And when we think about hospitality, I am so inhospitable sometimes to my own children where I feel like I'm a big fan of family meals, but then I feel like they are a nuisance to my family meals. Mm -hmm. And how backwards is that, that I and mourning the fact that I can't be hospitable to my neighbor in the way that I would like to. And so I'm being inhospitable to my own kids in my own home. And, and that's been really convicting to me lately because again, I, I love our, the family meals and that's a habit we're trying to get in, but they are not enjoyable right now. <laughs> like yeah. it's every once in a while we'll have like a glimpse of like, Oh, somebody said something really sweet or that was really nice, you know, but it's again, four-year-old twins and a two-year-old sitting around the table. It's not like we're having like nice, robust conversation. It's, you know, stop throwing this or stop yelling or stop, you know, who needs more milk or, you know, it's, it's conversations like that in this season of life. And so I do want to invite other people to our table and I do want to um, do things like, you know, eating, instead of, you know, eating, you know, food that we grill out in the backyard, let's take it to the front yard. Let's be in the, let's be in the driveway. You know, let's set up a table in the driveway. I want to do things like that more and be more accessible to the neighbors and invite people to our table. Um, one of our neighbors next door used to do that really well. They, they moved, but, um, Mm -hmm. they were always in their front yard and they always had drinks for everybody. You'd walk by, Hey, you want a drink, you know, and just, you'd sit and talk. And they were so good at that. And, and I want to get better about, casual things like that and mm-hmm. making it more of a lifestyle and not like a like an event. And I do think we can have the events. I love the events. I love when it's um a couple months ago I had a girls night and it was so fun because we got to have appetizers and wine and I got to cook some things that I would never cook for my kids and just do fun things like that. Um but I also feel like we need to check our season of life and check, okay, who is it that God has brought into my life? And how do I also need to get out of my comfort zone? I think it's a both end, you know, so God has put my three kids in my life to practice hospitality with, Mm -hmm. but I also need to get out of that comfort zone. That's not, that's not an excuse to keep our doors closed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have to be really realistic about it. And I have to lower my expectations. 
<laughs> to be honest, of, yeah. of lower my expectations of the cooking piece of it. You know, so I, I do a little bit more store-bought than I used to. I, um, I do mostly recipes that are kid-friendly. I do recipes that I can make things ahead. You know, all of that kind of stuff I try to do um, in order to make the hosting enjoyable and I want the food to be a means to bring people together. And I do think that the food matters, but I think we can take it too far where we want everything to be perfect that we um, either are super stressed out when people are finally at our table or we're, um, or we never do it because we're scared or we're fearful or, you know, whatever the case may be. And um, I think for me having to learn how to be hospitable to my own family and then also just learning to be realistic and learning to invite people to the table even when it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to maybe be like I would have done pre-kids or maybe will do in five years when I've got a little bit, you know, I don't have little ones literally tugging on my leg the whole time. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know if that helps at all. That for, sure that, helps. that for sure helps. I think doing things in your front yard more feels mind blowing to me. I don't know yeah. why, but that feels like, Oh, why don't I, I don't know. These and messages. I don't really do that yet. So that's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at that yet. That's something yeah. that I need to get out of my comfort zone and do on a super practical level. I saw a blog post, I think it was from the kitchen I can try to send send this to you, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was just how to host a crappy dinner party. And you know, it's the whole point was let's just, again, I like nice things and I like good food, but when we can't do that, let's not hold that back, hold us back from From gathering together, together, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we can do that, I'm all for it. You know, I, I love good food, but if I can't do it the way that you know, in my mind, I'd like, I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm, we're going to order pizza, you know, and, yeah. and make it work and, um, and do what we can. And, and that I think is the bigger piece, you know, how can the food be a catalyst for bringing us together, not a divider? Yeah. I like that a lot. The piece that always stresses me out when people come over, I love, love, love hosting. And I really love cooking. My husband and I both really love cooking, um, which makes for so many dishes. <laughs> and yes. honestly, that's the piece that stresses me out so much. Cause then people yes. come over and they're all in my house and we have tiny kids everywhere. And then there's all of this food that's left over and then all of these dishes and it's just chaos. So I've started trying to make the dishwasher empty before yes. people walk into my house. Um, so it takes like more planning on my part. Um, I rarely ever plan all the food stuff in advance just cause that feels like too much planning for Dusty. <laughs> but I do always try and at least have the kitchen like clean yes. so that way when we're done, everybody can just rinse their plates and put them in the dishwasher and we can do it together. And it adds another like community piece and it's quicker and it's easier. Yep. It just made my life so much better. That's, that's totally true for me too. And, and I do... I have like a rough plan. If I'm hosting a lot of people, I have like a rough plan of what I'm going to make. And I do try to make as many dishes to be make ahead meals, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm having a lot of people, because then at least all of the dishes from cooking that item are done like a day ahead of time, Yeah, which is really nice. And because if you're only dealing with, you know, plates and stuff, it's a lot easier than if you're dealing with like serving spoons, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. 
For sure. Um, That's smart. But it's, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, but that's what I try to do at least. Yeah. Uh -huh. Even if, I mean, even if it's just one or two of those things are done, that's one or two things you don't. Yes. Have. Well, really it breaks down to so many more little tasks underneath that, but yes. still you're yes. getting little things off. That's yes. really great. I, I would love to hear, can you, how do I, I want some like recipes, like tell us what are your favorite things to cook? <laughs> I, oh, especially man. if they can be plant focused because your girl loves plants. <laughs> um okay so no big deal i'm putting you on the spot i had gave her no time yeah to this. ready go okay well i have to tell you right now i'm actually doing online i'm doing a summer cookbook club like an oh, online cool. cookbook club and we are going through this is the first week of it we're going through a bunch of recipes in Ina garten's cookbook make it ahead um so I've made a few more of her recipes from her cookbook. I just posted something about her summer vegetable couscous, which is really good. Yeah. I've been using that cookbook lately, which is, I've only done maybe five recipes from it, but they're all really good because I love her stuff. Mm -hmm. um, other things, I, honestly, there are not a lot of things that I don't like to eat. I love everything. And, and one of my other things about food is I, my husband and I, and our family, we eat everything. We thank the Lord. We don't have any food allergies or dietary restrictions. We generally feel best when we eat paleo ish, but we eat everything most of the time. And because of that, I have tried to learn different ways of eating so that when people come over, it's like, oh, I've got a repertoire of vegan dishes, or I've got a repertoire of gluten-free dishes, or I've like, I, I know how to do that. Or at least I have, you know, two or three things. I've got like a summer vegan dish and a winter vegan dish. You know, I've got a couple things that are in our repertoire. So it's not totally overwhelming. So on my website too, you'll see all kinds of Yeah. That's a good, what's your, can you tell people what your website is so they can Look it's just sarahjhauser.com. Sarah yeah. And it'll be in the show notes for you guys also. Yeah. So all that to say, I love cooking all kinds of food, but um, favorite things to cook. Um, in the winter, I do a lot of soups. I actually have a, there's a um, chickpea and like veggie curry that I have on my website that I really like. I make, I make that a few times, especially in the winter. Um, I'm doing, I'm having people over on Saturday to celebrate a friend. Uh, they just adopted a baby boy. So we're having some friends over and to celebrate that. And I'm doing a coffee rubbed pulled pork, which is awesome mm -hmm. on my website. I'm not trying to like self promote, but these happen. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is your time to self promote. Tell us um, all the things I want to send. So to your there's site. a coffee rubbed pulled pork on my site that I, yeah. I really like. And so we're going to do that, I think on Saturday cause it's slow cooker. And so that's, the other thing, when people come over, if I can do, like I said, make it ahead or slow cooker, then I can put it in in the morning. And then when people come over, I'm not scrambling as much mm -hmm. and, and it feeds yeah. a lot and it's cost effective because it's not that expensive. So yeah, that's yeah. something that's helped us as we've been hosting is I have like two or three main meals that I make when lots of people come over Yeah, because I know they feed the masses, they're inexpensive, they're like crowd pleasers, and they're usually things that aren't, don't take a lot of hands on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, I always do something. I always do stuff that's like no cook too. And Ina Garten's really good at this is 
doing appetizers or setting out things that don't involve cooking, but look nice, like a cheese board or hummus and veggies or, you know, different things like that. And just kind of setting it out. So it looks nice, but it's not, I'm not cooking every single dish. Um, and that makes it a little bit easier and it's all like really good stuff that can fit a lot of different dietary restrictions too, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. As you have, um, like entered this world of cooking and theology and just seeing what God has to say about the two together, what is something that you can encourage a listener with right now as they like approach this topic themselves? I mean, cause everybody eats on a very, very daily basis. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, for the hospitality piece, I would, I would encourage people to just not, not wait to invite somebody over. I mean, don't wait until you have it perfect. Don't wait until, you know, if you can't cook or you hate cooking, order out. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, get something from Costco, you know, there, let's not let like the fear sort of leave us hanging. Um, on the theology piece of it, I would, this is just something that I've gotten so passionate about digging into that. I kind of, it's hard for me to even say where I started digging into it, but, um, on a practical level, if somebody wants a book to read, a great one to start with is um, Tim Chester's book, A Meal with Jesus. It's pretty short. It's, I think, just over 100 pages. It's a quick read. And he goes through four or five different passages in Luke where Jesus is eating with people. And he talks about kind of what that means for Jesus and mm-hmm. what he says about himself and what that says about how we relate to food. And that was kind of one of the first books there. There's about 10 others I could give you, but that was kind of one of the first ones that was a springboard for me that then, you know, helped me do a deep dive into all this other stuff. Um, and I'm still digging into it. So I feel like, again, I've barely scratched the surface of this topic of theology and food, but that's a good one to start with. Um, and then you can, there's a lot more you can dig in from there, but yeah, understanding, you know, inviting people to our table and just being, being open about that, but then digging a little bit into how did Jesus eat and who did he eat with and what did he say about communion and digging into that is, a, is another, I think, good starting point for the theology of food piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. I want to take a break from this conversation for just a hot second. I don't know why it's a hot second, but I don't know if that means temperature. Does that mean attraction? Just for a quick sec and tell you about my new houseplant course, Get Planty. Now, if you're like Dusty, you've been talking about your houseplant course, Get Planty, for a million years. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. You're right. I have been. But here's why. It's because I am so stinking proud of what I am creating. And I think, I know that it is going to be so incredibly helpful. I have taken so many years of studying all of your guys' questions and formulated it into a well-designed, beautifully crafted, concise, and so fun online houseplant course. It covers the foundations of houseplant care because in order for you to be able to really dive deep into understanding 
houseplant care and to really get the most fun and goodness that you can out of houseplant care, you first need to know how a plant even works. So we cover some basic botany through the lens of what you need to know as a houseplant gardener. Things like photosynthesis and plant Latin and plant anatomy and we dive deep into how a plant even uses sun and why does a plant need water and what do the roots do even do for a plant. And guys, I have had so much fun creating this course. This is actually a relaunch of the course and I have increased the content value just tenfold. I've made everything so much more concise and every single lesson is available in text, audio, and then lots of videos and visuals to go along with most all of the lessons. Plus there are some really incredible bonuses to help you stay accountable to the course curriculum, and to be able to help you implement what you're learning right away and to build a really rich planty community because that is what I want for us. Like I think that houseplants are such an incredible tool to help us to be able to grow well and it is such an honor and such a joy to create this course for you. So if you are interested in the course, it is only going to be $47 this launch and I can tell you for certain right now that that price is going to go up the next time I launch it in a few months or so. So if you want to get in on this, head to dustyheggie.com slash get dash planty. And there you can join the waitlist, learn more about the course curriculum and all of that goodness at dustyheggie.com slash get dash planty. My goal is to get it out by the end of the summer, but I'm going to be honest. I haven't released a launch date yet because I really want this to be perfect. And if that means pushing the date back again and again and again, I'm willing to do that. So I'm just not going to set a date. That way I don't have to push it back. And it's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for everybody. At this point, I'm rambling. It's a good course. I don't ramble in the course. All right, that's all. That's all I have to say about it. Let's dive back into our conversation with Sarah. Also, I saw that you're a coffee and cocktails lover. Oh my gosh, yes. Kind of. I mean, we're still in the food genre. (laughs) I have a lot of cocktails on my site. So, Uh, Oh my goodness. How did I not know that? (laughs) That is where I'm headed right after this. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you have a favorite cocktail? Uh, As far as... Classic cocktails. I mean, a, a Manhattan is mm-hmm. definitely probably my my go to. And then I I do different variations on stuff on it, and I do you know others of my own cocktails. But um, as far as the classic the classic ones, that's probably my favorite. So, it's a good choice. Yeah, it's a good choice. I think my favorite like cocktail is a probably a dark and stormy. Mm-hmm. We went to Bermuda on our honeymoon, and so we had dark and stormies. Dark and stormies were like the thing in Bermuda. So it's yeah, like I love the like rich sweetness of it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so good. Those are good. And how has it been doing working on this on your business, basically, like in the margins in the background as you've. Like you've had a lot of stuff happen. You mentioned in the form you filled out that your mom passed away a few years ago. Plus you have four, like three tiny kids. Like that is a lot to do in a very short period of time. Can you walk me through what that's looked like for you? Sure. So I will start by saying, um, I don't technically, yes, I would call, I would call this a business, but it is a business that doesn't really make any money. So, um, just to be upfront, it's not like I'm like making a full-time living or anything on this. So I just want people to know that. Oh, I for sure. Because, not either. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Uh, that doesn't know, take away the like incredible value of what you're doing though. Yeah. But, but I also, the nice piece about that is eventually I would like to, you know, do this more full time, but I am primarily stay at home. And so I am just kind of working in the margins and, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I'm trying to remember the timing actually. I think I had just started my current website when my mom passed away and, and actually through that whole, that's another piece of sort of wrestling with, with a lot of who God is, who he says he is. And and for me that came out a bit through, even through food, but I am at the point where, you know, we set on a practical level, we set some time for me to work and I, you know, work in the evenings, like now when the kids are in bed and I'll go out first thing on Saturday mornings. So like Saturday morning from seven to 10 AM is work hours for me. And so I'm out of the house early on a Saturday morning and then, you know, nap times when I can. And every once in a while, if I have a deadline or I have something that has to get done, um, we'll have childcare if we need it. Um, but we don't do that a whole lot just cause it adds up quickly yeah. when you get three kids. So I try to, I'm having to learn how to prioritize because if I only have, you know, three hours in a week, what is the one thing that needs to get done? And so there's a lot of things that just don't happen. Um, and I'm, I'm learning to be more okay with that than I think I once was. And it also comes in seasons. And so there are seasons where I'll work much more intensely on a project or on something that we will, you know, block out more time on the weekends or we'll block out, you know, I'll have, you know, family in the area, I'll ask them to watch the kids or, you know, there's different seasons like that, that happen where I do have a bigger project or something that I need to work on. But generally speaking, yeah, it's Saturday mornings and then here and there in the margins when I can, Mm -hmm. but I am trying, I've not been good about this, but I'm trying to be better about having a little bit firmer lines between like being home with my kids and then doing my work because so much of my stuff, you know, like posting on social media and all of that kind of stuff, I can easily get distracted and kind of do that in a distracted way mm-hmm. instead of having some little bit firmer lines, which for me is what I need. Some people don't need that, but for me, I kind of need, I kind of need some set hours. And so I'm trying to get a little bit better about doing that. Um, this past year, my twins started preschool like two days a week. Too, which was kind of nice. So at That's least awesome. I, I just had one kid during that time. And I was sometimes able to get like a recipe photographed or something when he, when it's just him awake, I can do that. But, um, and then the kids are also my older ones. Now they don't really nap. And so sometimes I do have to get something done while the youngest is napping. And so they also know, Hey, you know, mommy's got to work on this thing for a little bit. You guys need to find something to play with or get a puzzle or go in the backyard. Like they're getting a little bit better about that. Cause I also want them, I want to have those set lines between work life and family life. However, I do think it's also okay for them to see me working sometimes oh, for and sure. for them to know this is something that mommy does. And this is why, and for us to kind of talk about that and have that be a conversation and not have them completely out of that too. And wondering, you know, what does mommy go do when she leaves us with 
so-and-so, you know, and, and have them be a little bit more of a part of that, or at least knowing what's going on. Um, and also having to entertain themselves <laughs> because I can't entertain them all the time. Right. It's an important skill for kids to learn. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of just depends on the season. It depends on deadlines and, um, but a lot of it is me having to really learn how to prioritize and learn that it's okay for me to set some things aside for a season. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when a season where I can do more work comes, I'll be ready to go. And that's sort of my goal right now is sort of building a foundation so that mm-hmm. when I do have some more time to give to it, I'm, you know, I'm ready to jump in. Yep full on and, and get oh, I going. Feel you. You know? I feel you. That yeah. is the season that I'm in with yeah. tiny little yeah. ones. Yep. I keep sure. reminding myself, like it feels frustratingly slow, but a few years from now, I will be so grateful that I made all the mistakes in the like, or the yes. in the frustratingly slow period than I did yes. like growing how I believe that God wants it to grow someday. Yes. Yes. And being slow sometimes takes obedience. Yes. And I'm learning, you know, I think it was, I think Emily P. Freeman in one of her podcasts, she said, your pace is your pace, you know, and Mm -hmm. my pace is not somebody else's and the pace that I'm going is just fine. And I'm not behind. I don't need to be ahead. Like this is where God has me and I need to, Mm -hmm. you know, plan ahead and, and work and, you know, look forward to the future. But at the same time, I can't just completely forget where I'm at and where God has me. And forget this season of life that God has me in right now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We're starting to run out of time, but I will always love to wrap up <laughs> two big questions. One, sure. if you have a houseplant question I can answer right here and now. Okay. So I am totally a brown thumb. Um, mm-hmm. So what is, what, what should I get that it is, tell me what, what's impossible to kill. And maybe I have yeah. already killed it before. <laughs> But tell me what is the easiest thing and something that can also have some shade because I don't have a ton of indoor sun areas. Yeah. So the first thing I always tell people is I have a really fun free quiz on my website and it's just at dustyhiggy.com slash quiz. So if you're listening and you have the exact same question as Sarah, you can get your booty over there and take the quiz. It's like four or five questions and it's based on like your preferences and your skill level and your home, things like that to be able to give you a plant that I think you're going to do well with. Uh, Yeah. Plus it's fun. Who doesn't like taking quizzes? Um, But for you, my suggestion, the plant I almost always suggest as a beginner plant, because it's a very good training wheels house plant is a good old fashioned golden pothos. They're the plants you see like in the bars the most because they do well with like extreme sun and with like hardly any sun. Um, and they are very communicative. So you will be able to tell real quick when it needs watered and they're very, very forgiving. So if you've like neglected it because you've just forgotten to water it for a while, or if you're like me and you're like, Oh, I'll water it tomorrow. Oh, I'll water it tomorrow. Cause I do that far too often for this being my job, uh, uh, they will bounce right back. So you just prune it really well and it will bounce right back. All right. Yeah. It's not like the sexiest of house plants, but they're my favorites because they, in the wild, they grow in Mexico. So, um, in our homes, they grow pretty average size leaves. I don't know, running between maybe three and six inches in diameter, but in Mexico, they can grow up to two feet 
across and get these big, beautiful splits, like the really common Monstera Deliciosa, yeah. the common name is a Swiss cheese plant. They're really trendy right now. But pothos can do that too. Um, and they grow really big and they, they're actually an epiphyte. So it means that they like climb up and grow off a host plant. Um, so they're really cool. And I love pothos so much because it's such a beautiful representation of our lives that we um, can adjust to different habitats that we can adjust to different seasons that we can adjust and adapt and I don't know they're just classy and forgiving and I want to be those yeah. things yes <laughs> for, sure. for sure okay yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up that's good mm -hmm. to know apothos and know. then I also have care guides for that on my website um, okay but they're pretty they're pretty good easy houseplants so like put it in a room with some kind of light and then water it when it's about if you stick your finger in the top of the soil and it's dry to your second knuckle, then it needs a good water. So the water should pour okay. out the bottom. I think I've been guilty of overwatering too many mm -hmm. times in the past. So I need yeah. to overwatering is really easy. Typically it starts though with a, a lack of light because okay. light is sort of the precursor for water. They both need to happen in order for photosynthesis to take place, which is like the process of plant goes through right. to its own food. Um, so they both are important, but because we don't have a lot of light in our house, I mean, plants go from having light all around it. I mean, they're shade from trees, but from having walls around it with a tiny right, window. Right. Yeah, so being able to give it as much light as you have available to you and then watering based on those conditions. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then having good drainage is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. Make sure that there okay. are drainage holes in the bottom of that pot. Good to know. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll yeah. have to remember that. Okay, and then the last question. What is something that is making you so super happy? Anything in the whole wide world? Oh, man. Uh, so for me, one of the, my favorite things to do is if I ever get a chance to cook in my own kitchen by myself with a glass of wine. That's mm -hmm. like the ultimate, like cooking my own grown-up food. And I love my kids. I love my family, but I'm totally an introvert. And so having that alone time to do something creative while enjoying good food is kind of the ultimate for me. Yeah. So I don't do that a whole lot because obviously we have a full house of people. Right. But <laughs> every once in a while, my sister-in-law actually takes our kids to her house uh, every once in a while. And it, that's really nice because sometimes I do get to do that now. So that's, yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorites. But that's awesome. The other day, I'm, I'm for sure an introvert as well. People don't genuinely think that because I'm so loud. <laughs> but, but, and I talk so quickly, they just assume. But the other day, uh, Brian had to go into work in early, like in the middle of what was going to be a scheduled date. We had like four or five hours, which we don't get a whole lot of. And so we were really excited. But halfway through that, he had to leave. So we had like a two or three hour date. And then I was still had childcare for the last two or three hours. And I was like, this is the best of yes. both worlds. I get like yeah. to go out and eat dinner by myself. This is amazing. <laughs> I was so happy. I can totally understand that. Yes. Like, I love you and O'Brien, but have yes. you met me? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I totally get you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. To wrap up, can you tell people where they can find you on Instagram and on your website? Sure. Plug away. So uh, you can go to sarahjhauser.com. It's H-A-U-S-E-R is my last name. And I'm also on Instagram. It's at sarah.j.hauser. I also have a Facebook page too. And uh, I also have a monthly newsletter that I send out. So that's actually one of the things I've been focusing the most on, which, you know, you don't necessarily yeah. see yeah. on social media, but 
Um, so sarahjhauser.com slash subscribe and you can sign up for that month monthly newsletter and it's actually become kind of one of my favorite things to write. So, um, awesome. and I won't spam you, I promise, but you can sign up for that at uh, my website and slash subscribe. Yay. You guys should all go follow her. I will have everything, including a direct link to her newsletter in the show notes for you. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Incredible, right? I felt so fired up and jazzed after having that conversation with her the first time. And then when I got the opportunity to listen to it again as I'm editing this episode and recording all the intros and the outros, I just feel even more fired up right? It's so good. I really love what she said about utilizing your front yard. And so actually just a couple of days ago, we played in uh, the girls swimming pool out on the front yard and got to talk to our neighbors and we have a giant stuffed teddy bear now. So, you know, you get awards for playing in the front yard, I guess. Make sure you follow along with everything Sarah is doing because guys, it's incredible. I have direct links to all of her content in the show notes at dustyheggie.com slash podcast. And you should definitely make sure you follow her Instagram because her food photography game is on point. I'm going to be honest. I think I like food photography better than I like plant photography. (gasps) Gasp. I know it's insane, but I mean food, it's really yummy. All right, and then finally, if you can take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, I would just be so pleased as punch. I am very, very grateful to every single one of you who've already left a rating and a review. And if you could take a moment to please tell me what you think of the show, tell me how it's inspired you, something that it's taught you, or maybe something that you'd like to see improved. I really, really just love being able to hear your feedback because at the end of this day, I'm not making this podcast just to hear myself speak. Like I really want to enrich your lives and encourage you help you keep those plants alive and encourage you to continue to grow well and then lastly don't forget to head to my website at dustyheggie.com podcast for all of the show notes there you can have a direct link to leave a review on itunes to follow everything sarah's doing and to get on the wait list for get planty houseplant foundations that's all i got for you guys today this is kind of a longer episode but i mean it's good stuff right Plus, you got to hear me talk about food photography versus plant photography. I mean, really, this is priceless content I'm delivering to you right now. So you're welcome. Have a good one, guys.